0: Folks, uh, I want to tell you, we got an interesting show today. Um, And there's a flicker of hope, which I don't say a lot these days, but I think there's some momentum gathering to end the segregation of Canadians who are vaccinated. I'll take you through a Hill Times article that quotes liberal MPs saying most liberal MPs want to end it. And they even quote some of these MPs on the record. I'll take you through other signs that maybe, maybe Canada is about to join the community of nations instead of the rogues like China and North Korea when it comes to bullying unvaccinated people. I don't know. I don't want to be a fool, and I've been wrong before, but I'll take you through it. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's a video version of this podcast. Uh, Every day, every weekday, I do a show. You get the video version. Plus, we have four weekly shows. There's a lot of content for just 8 bucks a month. Go to rebelnewsplus.com. And please subscribe because, you know, we don't get any money from Justin Trudeau. And I credit that for our ability to stay independent and skeptical and critical. If we were taking Trudeau's money, I don't think we could punch as fairly as we do and as honestly. And we're afraid of no one because we're not beholden to anyone. We're just beholden to you. So please go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, 8 bucks a month. Frankly, even if you don't watch us all the time, the 8 bucks a month makes a difference. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, what will make Trudeau end his vendetta against unvaccinated Canadians? It's June 10th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. I think Canada is the only country in the world that still bans its own citizens from flying or taking the train if they're unvaccinated. In fact, Almost no one ever had that. We're the only ones still with that. I've heard that China also does that, but I think people are just assuming that because of China's extreme lockdowns this year, including in Shanghai. This is a video from China, people jostling with each other to show their vaccine passports. Here's another video. I understand that it was because of a single case of COVID. That's one future we might still have, but not everyone in China is happy about the madness. Here's a small act of defiance. Now, it's hard to verify things from China. What's a new video? What's an old video? What's real? What's fake? What's government propaganda? So yeah, let's say China still requires citizens to be jabbed to fly. I could believe that. And typically people lump in North Korea to the list. I think that's likely true, but really, how would you know? Um, And there isn't a lot of flying going on in North Korea at all anyways. It's one of the poorest and most restricted places in the world. But yeah, that's our league now. That's our neighborhood. That's our comparators. That's our class now. Funny, um, it's the same group we're in when it comes to Internet censorship, isn't it? Canada, North Korea, China. Those were the countries listed by Twitter's head of public policy in that company's submissions to the liberal government about their proposed regulation for the Internet. Remember that? That the only countries that censor that way are China, North Korea, and now Canada. That's our league now. Our prime minister is pretty useless. He's not really a serious player in anything internationally. Um, His look at my socks shtick. Got boring about five years ago. Now he just spends his time meeting the B-list or C-list. Here's a little video of him meeting with another left-wing peacock, Gavin Newsom, the disgraced hard left-wing governor of California. If you recall, he recently faced a recall vote specifically over his disastrous handling of the lockdowns. Look at these two narcissists. I call this the Botox Summit. Take a listen. Hey everyone, bonjour tout le
1: monde. Uh, I'm in California today with Governor Newsom. Uh, we're signing a, an agreement to make sure we continue uh, the deep partnership we've had on fighting climate change, on protecting our environment, in creating good green jobs, and moving forward in ways that really matter to people. C'est un grand plaisir de pouvoir travailler si proche avec la Californie uh, sur les enjeux qui sont importants pour les Canadiens. Uh, Governor Newsom, talk about this partnership. Well, désolé, je ne parle français,
0: <laughs> but you don't have to speak the same language to understand that we're all in this together. Divorce is not an option. And so we're here on the issue that extends, I think, a global consciousness, and that's the issue of climate change. And Uh, you're in a state where we're experiencing the extremes. And so we're on the leading and cutting edge of not only dealing with the realities of it, but also the opportunities. And that's why it's so wonderful to have you down here, Prime Minister, to focus on those partnerships and the opportunity advance together.
1: We only build a better world if we're doing it together and gathering like-minded partners like California and Governor Newsom is the way uh, that we make this better future a reality for everyone. Uh, The reason
0: I show you that is they're not wearing masks, are they? Even though they are both Mask extremists, but only when it suits them. Now, they themselves don't like to wear masks. <laughs> uh, Trudeau loves going to Europe and hobnobbing with the jet set. There, no masks. Um, he went to Ukraine, very unvaccinated country, by the way, no masks. He flies by private jet, of course, no, no, no masks. But he puts them on when he's talking about your freedoms. Um, same with Gavin Newsom, by the way. Why are they mask extremists? Here's Joe Biden wearing a mask by himself and then taking it off to meet someone else. He's triple jabbed. This whole thing is a weird ritual of lying. I say all of this, this entire preamble, to show how extreme Canada is, what an outlier we are. And the, forget about the foolish rituals and photo ops in the mask theater. We actually are running our country as if it were all real. We still have a kind of lockdown for millions of Canadians, a no fly list, which in the past was only for terrorists. Just today, the United States announced they are getting rid of their last vestige of lockdown travel. Um, US will end COVID 19 testing requirement for air travelers entering the country. It was a strange quirk. They never had a vaccine requirement to fly. Courts threw out the mask requirement a long time ago. This last little thing is now gone where you had to get tested to fly into America. They're back to normal now, 100 percent. Pretty sure lockdowns are not returning, at least until the Democrats can get through the midterm elections in November. They don't want to get slaughtered. And uh, the lockdowns were just a disaster for them politically, ask Gavin Newsom. Now, here in Canada, Justin Trudeau got the opposite message electorally. He just won his election in September. Now, true, he only got 32.6% of the vote. That is the lowest vote count ever for a Canadian to form government. And the NDP is propping him up. But he won because the opposition didn't oppose. Uh, not just the NDP, but the so called Conservatives didn't oppose. A footnote in history called Aaron O'Toole didn't oppose. So Trudeau takes off his mask when he wants and he flies when and how he wants. No airport lineups for him. He flies private. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but what does did like to fly? 38,000 kilometers in 38 days. Pretty cool for Mr. Global Warming. But meanwhile, the airports are still melting down in Canada. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Air Canada is canceling hundreds of flights because the logistics just don't work uh, with the health delays. So those aren't empty flights canceled like they were two years ago because everyone was afraid to fly. They're full flights canceled because the airports don't work. Pretty basic government job. Because uh, these airports are being turned into massive public health clinics, doctors' offices really Canadian style. You always have to wait in those. The Toronto Airport is a really big deal in Canada. Most important airport, uh, not just for air travel. It's a it's a huge employer itself. A huge business in itself. Just. Think of all the related businesses from taxis to uh, conventions, you know, convention centers. There, it's all being smashed. Just when they thought maybe they could recover some of the lost ground after two years of being smashed, I saw this in the Hill Times newspaper yesterday. It's a pro-liberal newspaper for sure, but it's it's legit. Uh, massive majority of Liberal caucus wants Trudeau to drop federal COVID mandates, say Liberal MPs. A majority of liberal MPs, a majority, most of them. Huh. Just imagine if that cowardly lion Aaron O'Toole had had the courage to oppose vaccine mandates a year ago. We needed to wait for the liberal MPs, I guess. Let me read a little bit from the story. With provincial and international jurisdictions easing COVID restrictions, some liberal MPs say the vast majority of their caucus want the federal government to drop travel vaccination requirements, allowing unvaccinated Canadians to board domestic flights. Several Liberal MPs interviewed for this article said that most caucus members want all federal pandemic restrictions dropped as soon as possible. Quote, the massive majority of Liberal MPs want the mandates to end, said one Liberal MP who spoke on not-for-attribution basis to offer their candid opinion. People are saying, what the hell? Why are unvaccinated people not allowed to fly domestic? You know, like at least let them fly domestic with masks on. You can go into a shopping mall with them. You can go into an elevator with them. You can go into a movie theater with them. Obviously, and the Omicron variant, if you care, is so mild by comparison anyways. I mean, come on. We're really at normal flu season, regular cough and cold season risk levels here if if it ever was worse, and I'm a skeptic that it really was, some liberals are even going on the record using their names, which shows they aren't afraid anymore, just don't care anymore. Here's one. Three-term liberal MP Marcus Pawlowski from Thunder Bay, Rainy River, Ontario, a medical doctor and a member of the health committee, said the vaccine mandate for all travel should be removed. The need for mandates has certainly changed, and the calculus is not the same now as it was two months ago, three months or six months ago, he said in an interview with the Hill Times. I would suggest that vaccine requirements for being on planes and at workplaces at the moment, I don't think the benefits of that mandate warrant the cost. (laughs) I even saw an article in Trudeau's CBC State Broadcaster. Um, Vaccine mandates have been blamed for some of the Pearson Airport's chaos. Is it time to drop them? (laughs) You think? I'll read a couple of lines. This used to be called a conspiracy theory by the CBC until just a week or two ago. The waning effectiveness of vaccines to stop the spread of the highly infectious Omicron variant of COVID-19 could mean it's time for federal policymakers to consider lifting vaccine mandates, some experts suggest. It's hard to really justify our mandate anymore, said Dr. Zane Chagla an infectious diseases physician at St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton and an associate professor at McMaster University. Well, would you look at that? Hmm. So the world is laughing at us, literally laughing. I showed you that airport video by that U.S. sports journalist, former NHL player, that went super viral. The world has moved on from COVID. No masks, no vaccine passports. Even liberal MPs and the CBC state broadcaster are talking about moving on. Even cowardly corporations are talking about moving on. But not Justin Trudeau or his cabinet. They refuse. It's not about science. It's about vengeance, a vendetta, and not letting the truckers get the win. Remember, the truckers' chief issue was vaccine mandates and vaccine passports, especially for travel, remember? Trudeau can't let them win or let them be seen to win. So let me close for you with the mighty intellectual response from Omar al Trudeau's transport minister, clearly out of his depth, clearly just a spokesman for whatever Trudeau says. His deep thoughts reply to all this was a tweet. <laughs> we are keeping Canadians safe when they travel by air and rail by making masks mandatory for everyone on board. Okay, I'll get back to the masks part in a minute, but But this is the reply to the chaos at the airports, which is caused by vaccine mandates, the the vaccine mandates that made airlines fire hundreds of competent staff and that makes airports into giant hospital waiting rooms. It's the mandates. You have to show proof of things. You have to be inspected. It's a whole rigmarole. Masks aren't what's slowing people down. Masks aren't what's canceling the flights in a domino effect. The vaccine BS is, and this is this is all he has, he wants to talk about masks, but even that is junk. As I mentioned, masks rules were struck down by the courts in the US months ago, but look at what Al Gabra's tweet says in the body. It says, you are 83% less likely to get COVID-19 if you wear a mask. But you see that little asterisk there? Like I say, this is irrelevant to the airport's crisis anyways. It's embarrassing, this Al Gabra thinks otherwise. It's irrelevant to the vaccine mandate rule. You can still catch COVID and spread COVID if you're vaccinated. Here's Bill Gates.
2: The idea of checking if people are vaccinated, Mm. you know, if you have breakthrough infections, Mm. what's the point?
0: But what's the asterisk there? If you look at the bottom right, it says in fine print with an N93 KN95 mask in an indoor public setting. And then it cites a U.S. study. So, So it's a trick. It's a deception. It's still irrelevant to the issue of vaccine discrimination and airports, but there is no N95 mask rule on, on planes. You can wear any mask. Most people wear those blue dentist masks that don't really do anything. The study he's citing is a lie. It's for N95 masks, and it's not an airplane study. Airplanes have more circulation in the air than almost anywhere else. Um, that's and. And that study was done before the latest, gentlest variants of the virus anyways that are the most contagious. You could call that tweet disinformation in the fullest sense of the word. I mean, I know Teresa Tam says anything and then later says the exact opposite thing. I know you can't trust her, but but look at this story also in the CBC. COVID-19 transmission on flights, extremely rare, Dr. Tam says. Oh, huh. well, that's good to know. But well, what do you think? How long can Canada do such an obviously destructive thing, banning a whole sector of society? There's no one who benefits from it, by the way. It's no benefit to public health. It's no benefit to the airlines or to tourism. It's no benefit to our country's international reputation. It's no benefit to our tattered civil liberties. Who wants this? As they would say in Latin, "Cui bono?" Who benefits? Who who gets the good stuff here. Well, only one man in his vengeance, that hateful hypocrite Justin Trudeau. (laughs) And that's the kind of country we live in. Our checks and balances are broken. We have a bit of a tyrant on our hands who's trying to teach us all a brutal lesson. Stay with us for more.
2: Get out right now. And go, go, please, go, please, Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, why are uh, senior city of Brampton staff working out of your secret campaign headquarters in Vaughan? Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, is that on the taxpayer dollar? Have they taken a leave of absence? Mr. Brown. Why are city of uh, Brampton employees? Working at your campaign headquarters in Vaughan. Is this on the taxpayer dollar? uh, Mr. Brown. Oh, okay then. All right then.
0: Wow. Well, that's an excerpt from the riveting, sometimes breathtaking, sometimes infuriating video documentary style by our friend David Menzies and Lincoln J who just did a 20-minute investigation, which actually was the fruit of weeks of work, into a man we dubbed Sneaky Patrick, Patrick Brown, the mayor of Brampton, former leader of the Ontario PCs, now a candidate campaigning for the leadership of the federal conservatives and the star and lead journalist on that story is with me now, David Menzies. David, that is one of the meatiest, most substantive, most well-reported shoe-leather pieces of journalism I think we've ever done. Uh, You had to get it right because we're talking about explosive details.
2: Well, thank you so much for those compliments, Ezra. Um, As I said to you before, it was a combination of things that made this a perfect storm. Uh, One was having a source that was rock solid with this information. Secondly, was going there and checking out the city employees by their make, model, and license plate number who were going to this um, secret campaign office not even in Brampton, not even in Peel region, but Vaughan and York region,
0: which is a bit of a drive away for those who don't know the Toronto area. Exactly, like it—it was—it couldn't have been better hid. You never would have found it oh. without the tip. Never,
2: not in a million years, Ezra. And then it was waiting and waiting. And my whole, you know, purpose of my hunt, Ezra, was to catch Babu, the top senior bureaucrat there, coming out to his white Audi and going, "Aha, why are you on?" business hours, working on a campaign for your boss. This is offside. This is against the rules. And I was never successful. Uh, It it seemed that he put in, I, I don't know, maybe he slept there. Goodness knows. But the day we went there, Friday I had a hunch. And that's the other part of the perfect storm. I just had this feeling like my spidey senses were tingling because it was the last day, because Midnight was the last, last. day of
0: membership sales in the leadership. That's
2: right. That why would this office be staffed so much? Uh, you know, uh, you know, one second after midnight, and so I went there, and lo and behold, who shows up? I mean, I went fishing for a trout or a tuna, and here comes Moby Dick, Patrick Brown himself. He couldn't resist dropping by, and I don't know, gazing upon the thousands and thousands of membership sold. And, you know, the the video tells the tale. We just went after him to ask him, are these city employees, because that's the crux of the matter, Ezra, paid employees that should be working for the city of Brampton, why are they on working hours working for you unless they've taken a leave of absence without pay? And nobody has showed me proof in writing that that was the case. Right.
0: Well, let's show a little bit of what happened. When you went there, and who shows up by Patrick Brown himself, thus begins a chase of sorts—not a high-speed chase, but a chase through Toronto. And well, I'll let the video do the talking. Take a look at this.
3: You ready? We unlocked. Yeah. Here's the mic. I'm rolling.
2: Why? Why? You know what? Well, there's no other way out. We'll go back this way. <laughs> I had to. You saw me. You saw us. Just right straight. He's like a cornered weasel. He doesn't know what to do. This is our second foray down the southbound land, lanes of the Highway 400. Uh, He exited at Rutherford and went back up north, got off at Teston, went to his secret party headquarters, well, drove by it, and now he's going south on the 400 uh, again. I'm pretty sure he knows we're following him right now. Patrick Brown drove straight to the Brampton Police Headquarters
0: now, I don't know where you go when you're being chased, but going to a police station does sort of make sense, except for he chose the police station back home. That's right. In his home city, not in Vaughn or Peel or whatever. He Sorry, not in, in the city of Vaughn. Right. He went back to his hometown where he knows the police chief. Exactly. And he must have been phoning, phoning, phoning and saying God knows what, because when he pulled in and ran into the office of the police station, you were behind him. The cops had, must have been told atrocious things because they, they must have been thinking, oh, there's a kidnapper, there's a gang, there's something terrible. No, it's David and Lincoln asking <laughs> questions. Here, let's just take a look at that. Close, close oh,
2: okay, then. All right, then.
0: Okay. You just jumped out of your car so fast. trying to conduct the
3: traffic stop on you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, why is that, let's sir? Let's go back outside.
2: Okay, sure. Why would you want to conduct a traffic stop on this? came in, this? going a little faster in our parking lot, you we want to see what's going on. Oh, is that right? I'm just uh, following uh, Patrick Brown's vehicle, officer. OK. He has a secret campaign headquarters.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. In Regardless one. of that
2: point, we okay. know who he is. OK. we're going to
0: find out who you are. Oh,
2: my name is David Menzies. I am a uh, okay. uh, reporter. You your driver's license for me. Absolutely. Do you know that... You're is, the you uh, are? Sorry? Sorry, sir? Hey. What's your problem? Awesome. He's my cameraman, officer. Awesome. Hang
0: out over here. Well, I didn't like the fact that you were asked some gruff questions, but I, it, it, to be fair to that cop, it felt like he was really revved up by some lies that Patrick Brown told on the phone. Yeah. He goes out, he sees it's just you, and by that I mean you, you're, you're not doing any harm to him other than asking him prickly questions. Right. And he sort of... Is slowly declenching, like he was ready for a big battle, yeah. and he realizes, "Oh, okay, well, I'll just do a traffic stop and ask you some questions." And uh, like I, I think that he was probably whipped up with some BS, and then he did his due diligence, and he could say to his chief, "Chief,
2: there's there's nothing here." You, you know, Ezra, that's very perceptive. And the other thing too is. Why, what did Patrick Brown say on that 911 call? Mm-hmm. Um, was he saying, you know, I, I'm fearing for my life. I don't know who these people are. Are they trying to carjack me? They, they're they following me or wherever I go. If he had said that, um, and that's just speculation on my part, of course, but he's done in by his driver who says to Lincoln, um, we know who the F you are. Yeah. So if you know who we are, you know we're not a threat. We ask questions. Maybe the threat is impolite queries, yeah. for goodness sakes. You know what? I, I
0: know that section of the law, criminal harassment, it's another it's way of saying that. stalking. <laughs> the person has to have a reasonable fear of, of danger and harm. Yeah. And, and, and there's a whole bunch of elements there. It, it's such a stretch. Sneaky Patrick Brown, it's just like when you caught him at that hockey rink. And oh. just to remind people, it was the same dynamic duo, you and Lincoln. I think that was one of Lincoln's first days on the job.
2: His first day. His
0: very first day. (laughs) Here's a flashback. You know, we we love buying little domain names here at Rebel News. We've got about a 1,000, like com and com. We just love doing that. Maybe it's a hobby of mine. But we we use the website sneakypatrick.com for the hockey arena uh, caper. And I never thought we'd use it again. But just a reminder, here is the first time that David and Lincoln caught uh, Patrick Brown red-handed sneaking in to play a game of hockey when he as mayor had shut down hockey for all mere citizens. Take a look at this, sneakypatrick.com, volume one.
2: Well, folks, um, we're getting the bums rush, but holy mackerel, I think I see Patrick Brown himself. Oh, hey, how you doing? Mr. Brown, right? David Menzies with Rebel News. You're, the, you're in a city facility. What's that? You're in a city facility.
3: Yeah. So are yeah. you. Yeah. So are you yeah. playing hockey here? Or? No, I'm just coming to check in our facility. So okay, I'm gonna we're, we're we're gonna. we're gonna check you. You're not supposed to be here, actually,
2: guys. Okay. We were told that uh, you play pickup here, Mr. Brown. How come uh, the kids in Brendan can only practice sports, but your buddies can play hockey? Yeah.
3: So um, I don't know why
2: um, you are harassing people in the city of Brampton, but you shouldn't be. Oh,
4: who's harassing who?
2: You're, you, you're, your guy handed out 122 bylaw violations in one week. Mr. Brown, why is there a hockey game going on in this arena? I thought you're only allowed to uh, practice sports, not play them. And who is paying the thousand dollars a day, Mr. Brown, for this rink? Mr. Brown, are these taxpayer dollars being used for your buddies to play hockey on this rink? Or are you paying it? Or perhaps we'll lead Solomon. So, Mr. Brown, uh, why is it one law for me and one law for thee in this city? Oh, he,
0: he is atrocious. Put aside policy issues. Yes. He's got some strange policy issues. His very first one is declaring he wants to legalize a particular terrorist group, put aside his carbon tax history, put aside that. You, you know, you can agree or disagree, and you're not going to find a politician who you agree with on everything. It's just not not realistic. But the total lack of a conscience, yeah. the total lack of character, I, I would say he's a sociopathic liar. I'm not making a medical no, diagnosis. I just think he's a relentless power seeker who I believe, through his conduct— using the public person, the public machine, as his private tool, I believe he's corrupting the instruments of society. And that's why I think this is important public interest journalism.
2: Not only that, Ezra, um, the last two years, what he did in Brampton, I would argue that Brampton might have been the most pro-lockdown city in our entire Dominion. Um, Not only just police and bylaw handing out tickets, but Patrick Brown hired Paladin security guards to literally hide in the bushes and spy on children and families breaking uh, you know, the bylaw, going into a, a baseball diamond or a soccer pitch. They don't have the power to write tickets, but they would rat out the people to uh, bylaw enforcement. They'd yeah. come zooming in yeah. like Batman and Robin on a Batmobile. But today in 2022, during the debates, as he goes around campaigning, he is self declaring himself as the anti lockdown mayor. No mayor in Canada pushed back against the lockdowns more than Patrick Brown. It's not true. It, it he, as maybe this is for himself man,
0: personally, like he sneaked in to play hockey. <laughs> unpo- know. You know what? I just, I wanna play one more clip. And, and by the way, folks, I, I really, you know, pour yourself a cup of coffee or tea, sit down and do yourself a favor and watch the 21 minute video. You can find it at sneakypatrick.com because we're not doing it justice here. You really have like it it was a story, a persuasive story, well told. Credit to our editing team also who who put it together. I want to show the part where you went in. So, So you went to the cop shop. You were detained briefly by the cops there. You went back and they were still there. You went into the secret facility Let's just show a little bit of that and how you got the bums rushed. Just (laughs) a quick look. Is he recording? Recording?
2: Hey, how you doing there we're just looking for uh babu oh,
1: is
2: it i am recording sir yes oh john nutrition how you doing there how are you like that <laughs> anyways i'm just wondering yeah, excuse me. is uh excuse me yeah
5: excuse me oh, oh you're not a... allowed to be on this property oh, i'm asking you to leave now
2: okay where's very babu much. thank you very much uh, uh, oh sorry don't squeeze my arm like oh, that no, no,
3: you're, you're um, leaving,
2: right? how many uh city of brampton employees
3: Great. How are you doing?
2: Yeah. How do you like that? It's great. Uh, that Babu good? Margaret Beveridge. What's uh, Can you can you get your hands off me? Uh, can you get out of the office? I am I am moving. No, but, no, uh, no, you're not moving. I, I, you I, <laughs> oh, button. is that right? I are thought you're you're you were. Uh, I thought you weren't involved um, in the. Uh, hang on a second. I thought you weren't involved. Do You, you have the a release thing. for me for that video? It doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. it, doesn't need it? Why? No. Because we're we're practicing journalism. You know you're not. Yeah. You as well. Where's Babu? His audio is there. out, please. His audio is there. Thank you very much. Have a great day. John, why did you lie about not being involved with the campaign? Well, that's John McAttishan,
0: who had earlier claimed that he had nothing to do with the the (laughs) (laughs) campaign. I don't know. Um, You know, he he did not look amused. I, I don't know. I just think that my beef with him is not that I disagree with him on many things, which is what I do. It's that. If you gave that guy, like that guy's just okay. the mayor of a, of a city. Brampton's a fair-sized city. It's not Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal or Calgary, but it's a fair-sized city. Yeah. And, and he's wringing it out for his private interests. Yep. You put that guy in charge of the federal government, and Justin Trudeau will look like a piker when it comes to conflicts of interest, uh, wetting his own beak, as they say. I think that Patrick Brown would be a disaster for our country democratically, financially. His example of what I call corruption is something that Canada cannot afford. Put aside the fact that I disagree with him on on certain things. It's his character that is terrifying. Last word to you.
2: 100%. What would be the difference of having Patrick Brown as prime minister... Compared to Justin Trudeau. Work ethic. Patrick Brown works a lot harder, <laughs> so he's more dangerous. Yeah, but you know what? He he is the author of his own misfortune, Ezra. And I say that because he can't resist breaking the rules when he doesn't have to. He can't resist uh, being cheap because that's another character flaw I hear about him. He's a cheapskate. So he doesn't recruit uh, volunteers or paid staff. He gets the city staff on city time to work on his campaign. Um, you know he couldn't resist going to that hockey rink because he so desperately wanted to play hockey. That's his, uh, you know, number one uh, passion. I think outside of politics. So he, he, like I said, he's the author of his own misfortune every time Ezra, because of his character flaws. And hopefully this will—I don't know—I I don't know where the Conservative Party of Canada is going to go with this, but maybe it leads to his disqualification. I think Patrick Brown, at the end of the day as much as he's a buffoon, as much as he's a liar, a scoundrel, I think he's dangerous. And you alluded to one fact, what was his first major policy announcement? Oh, the Tamil Tigers will be taken off the terrorism uh, watch list, which forget about Canada, 32 other nations also have them there. And why? Well, because there are big Tamil voting blocks in certain key ridings. And again, it's politics as to what's good for Patrick Brown. And one other thing, the reason why we get these tips is he is such a sociopath, Ezra, that he goes to somebody, he promises them the moon, he gets the favors, and then he dispenses them like a used Kleenex. Mm. And that person is resentful. And that's why we get people saying, hey, you want some dirt on Patrick Brown? Here it is.
0: Well, uh, your tips have been um, meticulously correct uh, to know the whereabouts of secret locations, to know the whereabouts of his secret hockey games. Um, Patrick Graham must be scratching his head and wondering who the mole is. <laughs> but I thank goodness for the mole. You know, um, uh, this is a case, as the U.S. Supreme Court says, of sunlight being the best disinfectant. Mm. And uh, you shone the light on this. So good work to you and Lincoln you, and our editing team. Stay with us. Your letters to me are next. Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me, Nellis Fossier said, David's video just goes to prove the saying, the fish rots from the head down. It was a great video. This seems to be the case at all levels of government. You know, I really enjoyed that video and uh, David called me when the police uh, detained him and I was really nervous and ready to roll. Uh, I'll give the police some credit though. If the mayor of the city calls up the police department and says, oh, my God, I'm being chased, I'm being stalked, oh, my God, I'm in danger, I'm coming straight over, uh, the cops are going to be on full alert. And then when they see David and Lincoln with cameras, they're going to say, what? So they were just asking some questions. I mean, I, I don't like the fact that the police are asking questions, but given that they were surely lied to by sneaky Patrick Brown. I anyway, know so David called me there and so we've been working on the story for a few days making sure all the everything was just so great editing by our team and obviously all credit to uh, David Manzies and Lincoln Jay who just did and it was the same team as you saw that got Patrick Brown on the hockey stuff so I really am proud of that journalism that's true shoe leather journalism if you take the meaning of the word you're there you're checking it out. You're visually checking. You're going in. You're showing some courage. You know what? That's, that's the perfect Rebel News moment, isn't it? I mean, I enjoy sitting here at my desk and blah, 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 giving my opinions, and you must like it since you're watching it, so thank you. But the real work here is done in the world, in the field, on location. So credit to David and Lincoln and our behind-the-scenes team. I'm very proud of them. Bruce Atchison said, disinformation is the new way to say, shut up. But it's not new as the communists always do this to critics. Oh yeah. You know, I've read a number of disinformation papers, and of course that was that there was that goofy Joe Biden appointee for a bit, who kept doing like musical Broadway kind of songs about disinformation, it's sort of weird. And what strikes me is they're come, trying to come up with like a pseudoscience, like a like a fake scholarly uh vocabulary just to hide the fact that this is just about ranting against their enemies list like just how they chose those twitter accounts to be in this disinformation study like what was that one bebop 24 or whatever 155 like i i just gotta say if you start a twitter account and you just tweet anything you'll soon get 150 followers just automatic robots or whatever to say that that was attacking the internet in canada is just so deeply embarrassing the basic factual errors it it you know i'm a graduate of the university of calgary and i was embarrassed for my alma mater for that bd elector says i was never part of the cop hating crowd but based on the last few years i have to acknowledge many of them act no better than thugs well like i said I'm not pleased that the police interacted with our people, but given the lies they were surely told by Patrick Brown, I think the cops were restrained. Um, but yeah, I've I, in your general comments, I, I feel the same way. The first 45, 47 years of my life, I was like, cops can do no wrong. I, w- I would go so far uh, to the point of being unreasonable in my support. for They was almost blind. But I've seen far, far too many cops become politicized and run political errands, and do things that clearly should be against their conscience, and how they manage to square that away is something I'll never understand. Um, When we're through this, and I hope we do get through it, I hope that they lift the travel ban soon enough. I mean, I didn't trust the media to begin with. Um, I didn't trust politicians to begin with, but the conservatives dropped the ball until they got rid of that or no tool. But I think the two groups that have lost my trust and respect the most are Doctors groups, colleges of physicians and surgeons, um, the uh, Medical Association, just absolutely atrocious in how they censored their colleagues. I think they devastated their reputation. And police. I think the police in Canada and Australia and the UK uh, and a few episodes in the United States have absolutely shattered their reputation for neutral friends of the people. Uh, That's how I feel about it. I'm interested in what you have to say. That's our show for the day. What a great way to end the week. Thank you very much for being with us. And thanks for your kind words for David and Lincoln. I thought they did some wonderful journalism. I think it'll make a difference too, by the way. Until Monday, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.
4: Prime
2: Minister, if things go well with the BC decriminalization, would you consider decriminalizing some hard drugs nationally to deal with the crisis?
1: I think every step of the way we need to make sure that, A, we're following science and data, and that's exactly what we're doing. There's been long calls to look at decriminalization.
5: Hello there. Just got a quick question for you. Um, my name is Kerry Deott. Uh We're doing a bit of a survey. A couple of years back, the federal Liberal government said that they would no longer, they're telling Crown prosecutors not to charge people for possessing hard drugs like crack, cocaine, meth, fentanyl, heroin, what do you think about that?
4: I'm don't know because I don't do any of those drugs. I just I, I think it's uh, not a good thing to have it or anything in the community or in the cities.
2: I'm from a small community. Having that kind of stuff is damaging to families. And-
5: Hi, it's Carrie Diot here for Rebel News in downtown Edmonton. I'm here getting some reaction to some interesting news that a lot of Canadians might not know. About two years ago, the federal Liberal government quietly told Crown prosecutors not to charge people who possess hard drugs. That includes meth, cocaine, crack cocaine, fentanyl and heroin. So we're getting some very interesting reaction to that fact.
1: Of course, we've already heard uh, cities like Toronto and Edmonton interested in taking this on as well. We're going to work with them and try to make sure every step of the way that as and if we move forward, it is not just a single solution, that it is a, a, a full wraparound approach like we're trying to create in BC.
5: Hello there. Hello. Can you help me out for one quick second? Sure. I'm uh, with Rebel News' Kerry Um We've uh, found out that the federal government has quietly said that is uh, that the crown prosecutors will not be charging people with possession of drugs like crack cocaine, meth, fentanyl and heroin. What do you think about that?
6: Um, I don't know. I, I don't think that's great. Like drugs are bad and hard drugs are very bad. So if people have them they probably shouldn't that's uh yeah that's all i have to say about that
5: how does that make you feel that they're doing that
6: um i don't know i think it'd be good if there were negative consequences for people having those kinds of things to try and stop people from having them to you know make city a safer place to be walkable and yeah for just regular everyday people would be safer. I'm totally against it. I mean, the drug is an epidemic in our society. Uh, we need to throw more resources on curing people, I think, rather than just letting them go and making them or enabling them in, in, per se. So I mean, that's what all I have to say on that. Well, it's a difficult proposition, but uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. I, I, I feel conflicted about it, <laughs> actually. I know that there are some good reasons for it, but I also know that it can be problematic, so um, I honestly can't say definitively one way or the other how I feel about that, but
4: yeah. I don't know because I don't do any of those drugs. I just, I, I think it's uh, not a good thing to have it or anything in the community or in the cities.
2: I'm from a small community. Having that kind of stuff is damaging to families. And... Uh,
3: well, I'm from Norway, so it's difficult to say. <laughs> I really haven't followed the process here. Sorry.
5: What do they do in Norway?
3: Uh, Well, all drugs are legal in Norway, so it's a really different setup.
5: Okay, well, welcome to Canada. Thank you.
3: Be honest with you, um, I'm actually taking a course in college dealing with uh, addictions and mental health. So I'm going through that same recovery. Um, Anything to do with drugs. uh, As not been a very good beneficial um, reactions to uh, to anybody that are using them. And I believe the stronger the drugs that come out, the more troubles we're going to have with mental health and mental uh, abilities and disabilities working with people that are trying to get off the drugs. And um, I think the most important thing is that they have resources um and uh, for myself uh i am a person that um, doesn't really take too much to drugs i've been experiencing them but they have led me nowhere but to a place where i have to to go and return so i do not have much um, understanding in a lot of drugs and that's the reason why i think uh, i don't think too much about where it's coming from but how they're looking after it and uh, uh, with other types of drugs like um, psychotic medication or mental health we're trying to uh, find a way to make it a little better for like myself who's been on it for 25 years. I would like to have a a remission and um, I would like to sit down the next little while and Find out and make a decision. What is the best thing to do? Um, because this is related to my own addiction over the past 20 years, where I've actually been sober, actually with addictions, not so much alcohol but drugs. And um, this medication was for that reason. And right now, I am, uh, I am um, trying to get off and find out if that, that's something I can do in the community and with others.
4: You know, like different people they they get involved in those kind of stuff so they either have some uh, problems that they have been using it for exports for quite a long time so i think they should be able to you know to i mean to charge each individual not just like if you have that and then we are going to charge you or blanket that not all of people who are using that kind of stuff then there will be no consequences you know so i think it is very harmful to everybody and their families and even the person that is using it so i think uh you know most people probably they need some treatment so i think that should be considered and then also like if you see now what has happened so so many years before people used to get charged with possessing marijuana and then what happened now why you can now they are now legalized and all kind of stuff so like i think something something different needs to be done but uh to say not judge people or i think uh it's just like letting people to abuse themselves and all that kind of stuff
5: and letting people abuse themselves not good obviously
4: of course, I mean, because it's not only harmful to the, that person. What about the families? The families are the ones who are going to suffer when the person dies. Him, when he's dead, that's fine. You know, but what about the families? What about uh, the medical uh, attention that they will require maybe during that period? It's a lot of money, right?
6: Well, you could see that it's a uh, bankrupter downtown because when these people self-medicate, which is... Uh, going against the grain and their frontal lobes don't function very well. They plug up the systems, which startings hospitals. So if your mother needs a surgery or has COVID, they can't be addressed because they're dealing with people who overdosed and they're peer offenders, And uh, they put a huge strain on the system, but more so they're taken away for our day-to-day means of providing a living, as in the homeless who are on... Uh, self-medication are scaring people away from downtown and they're assaulting business owners and uh, patients outside my clinic they come into the buildings high you can't kick them out because when they're on this drugs they have delirium fits and you can get in a lot of trouble or hurt yourself they come into our businesses and steal and um, It's just not a pretty sight, not to mention they leave their discarded needles behind, their vomit, their feces, their uh, clothing, their food. And quite commonly, they'll lean against our doors and uh, pass out or will pick a fight if we ask them to leave. So um, those are the good days. The bad days is when they smash in your window.
5: You've had this experience and you've had... This issue for a long time here, right? The
6: COVID, yeah, it's pretty much when, you know, as you said, when they to want to do a soft stance and, uh, you know, the law enforcement said our hands are tied and uh, if their hands are tied, the ones are not, we're causing the havoc. So it's been pretty horrible. We've lost a generation almost with the pandemic and uh, the crime that flourished with it.
5: This has had a big impact on your business, hasn't it?
6: It's had a huge impact. Uh, Females don't feel safe coming downtown, myself. I never know which day that I'm going to get in a fight with a homeless person. And I've had fights with them. Um, It's just, you just never know. How I start my day, if you can hear music in the background, if I hear music in my clinic, that means I'm not broken into. And then if I see the right light coming through the door, that means my door's not been kicked in. Because of all the crime, all the investors don't want to come downtown anymore. And so you
5: said, what did you say about your clinic again?
6: Well, I've I've, um, I've grown my clinic with my skills. I need a bigger space, but uh, investors are scared to come downtown because of all unruliness of crime. Now, we still have the cheapest downtown core in Canada. And it's very affordable, but
5: these people have just made it unfriendly to obtain proper commerce. So there you have it. Some strong reaction, especially from the business community on news that the possession of hard drugs are not generally being prosecuted in Canada. For more news just like this, go to rebelnews.com.